But we're in week three of Overwhelmed, and we have covered a lot of ground this month. Next month, or next week, Pastor Chuck is wrapping up this teaching, and he's got a really unique, incredible word. So I want to encourage you to be here and be part of that. But today, as we're in week three, I want to show you something that I hope will be really helpful. Somebody asked me this week, they're like, why in the world would y'all talk about overwhelm for an entire month? I thought that's a pretty good question until you start talking to the people around you. And it's like everybody I talk to is overwhelmed. Are any of y'all there? Have y'all been there? It seems like I've seen newspaper articles. I've seen news reports. I've seen blog posts, books, and every person I've talked to. In fact, uh, first hour, I was talking to one of our amazing Welcome Home team members, and they're, t- they're just talking about everything that's going on, and people are overwhelmed. And the reason why I think this is such a big deal for us to talk about is most of us don't see overwhelm come. I've never met anybody that when they graduated from high school that said, you know what, by the time I get to 40, I want to be burnt out. I've never met anybody when they graduated from high school that said, by the time I'm 50, I hope I walk away from my job, I walk away from my calling, I walk away from my... Nobody sets out to do that. Nobody says, by the time I'm 60, I hope I have a major cardiac event. I think that's what you call it, right? Nobody sets out. The deal is nobody sees it coming. They don't see their marriage hanging on by a thread at times. They don't see their character starting to drift towards compromise. They don't see their, their, their empathy and compassion for other people be, begin to weigh. They don't see it coming, and yet it's happening. It's happening in other people's lives, and chances are it's happening in our own lives And so my heartbeat as a pastor is I just want to be super practical and try to help. In 1 Kings chapter 19, there's an amazing passage about an amazing leader that became overwhelmed. Overwhelm is an equal opportunity stressor in all of our lives. Anybody, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, no matter where you're at in your life stages, any one of us can have it happen. And so my question is, can you spot it? My question is, is there a way to see it before it's too late? Is there a way for us to look at the symptoms and to see it before we do something crazy. And so from 1 Kings 19, I wanna give you three symptoms to look for in your own life. So if you're a note taker, I invite you to jot these down. If you're watching online, you can catch it in the app as well. But here's sign number one when it comes to overwhelm. Sign number one is that overwhelm makes us into what I call a time bomb. Now, first hour, when I said time bomb, one of my buddies was sitting on the front row. He wasn't looking at the screens. And as soon as I said time bomb, he's like, what? I know that sounds crazy, but let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. I love shows and I love movies where stuff blows up. Anybody else with me on that? I just love it. I just love it when things blow up. And uh, some, of the, some of the movies, they have the, 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 the bomb that's going to go off at some point. And it's got the timer on it that's counting down. Or back in the day, I used to watch the show 24. Did any of y'all watch 24? And then it's like built into the theme music. There's this countdown. And then something's, you know, something's going to happen. Some of y'all stress just went up just hearing that noise, didn't you? And so uh, the deal with the timer on these bombs is you didn't know when it's going to blow. 
all, there's somebody trying to, trying to disarm it. There's somebody trying to get rid of it, trying to get rid of it before it blows up. And all you hear in the movie or in the show is some version of tick, 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 And at some point, it's gonna blow up. Well, this is the way overwhelm is in our lives is we don't know when it's gonna happen. We don't know when it's going to overtake us because most of the time we don't see it coming. Most of the time we, we act like it's not there. But let me show you this one verse in 1 Kings 19, verse one. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel, who is the evil queen of this day, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. Now, when you look at this verse, and you see the words in yellow, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Everything Elijah had done. But here's how I read it, because I know the background of Elijah. Everything that Elijah had done. In fact, everybody say that with me. Say everything. One, two, three. Everything. I mean, just feel the weight of whatever your week has been like. Everything that you've done. My friend that I was talking to first hour was like, man, I had this and this and this and this and this. And he's describing every, that's Elijah's life. If you don't know the background of Elijah, Elijah had done amazing things. Elijah had raised a dead boy to life. Pretty amazing, right? Elijah had a confrontation with Obadiah. It was a big deal. Elijah had had this fight with all of these false worshipers of a false God. And so if you were to think about everything Elijah had done, if you'd looked at his social media page where he updated his status, raised a boy from the dead, confronted the false idols and false worship, called down fire from heaven, predicted a drought. If you were to look at his timeline and then read this verse, everything, that he had done, you would be like, man, he's been busy. And chances are you have as well. When I think about my friends here at the church and I think about the people that I know that watch online, nobody's just sitting around doing nothing. Nobody's just, just kicked back, just taking it easy. When I think about everything you have done, man, this is something to watch out for. In fact, underneath this first point, let me give you just some characteristics or some indicators that your life is becoming like a time bomb, that your life might explode at any moment. The first one simply is fatigue. Fatigue. You just get tired. You can't tell me that after Elijah raised a boy from the dead, called down fire from heaven, predicted the drought, confrontation with Obadiah, you can't tell me that he wasn't tired. We get tired. The truth is, yes, we're spiritual beings, but we're in a physical body. We have unlimited potential. You have unlimited potential, but you don't have unlimited energy. You're a mere mortal, and so am I. And so this is the first sign is fatigue. A second one is not only fatigue, but frustration. Frustration. Part of the lead up of our lives blowing up is when you're tired, it is so easy for even the littlest things to become frustrated. Are y'all tracking with me? Even the little things. Recently, I joined the Facebook group for Flowery Branch. So I live up the road in a little old Flowery Branch, and I didn't realize they had their own little community page. So I, I joined it this last week, and the first post I see is somebody complaining because people sit for 0.4 seconds too long when the light turns green. And then I see like 900 comments underneath that where people, uh, half the people are like, bro, you need to get a life. The other half of the people are like, you're right. And then I was like, you know what? I'm that way when I'm in traffic. The light turns green. I'm like, go, what other shade of green are you looking, right? 
that's a ticking sign, right? That's a sign where at church, I'm like, hello, how are you, Pastor Chuck? And then in the parking lot trying to get out, I'm like, go. Sorry, is that too honest? I'm preaching to myself today. So it starts with fatigue. When you're fatigued, any little thing becomes frustrating. And then here's a third one, fear, fear. Fear begins to chip away at our spirit and we begin to think, what if I fell? What if I let people down? What, what, what if I don't pull it all together? And man, I'm telling you, these three things together become a cocktail for the time bomb going off in our life where we are tired, we're frustrated, and we become fearful. And here's what I wanna say to you, never make a major decision when these are in your life. Never make a major decision when you're tired frustrated and paranoid about the life around you because the chances are you might make a life-altering decision based on a season you're in. It makes us a time bomb. And so for Elijah, the setup of his full-on overwhelm is number one, it's a time bomb, fatigue, fear, frustration. Here's sign number two to look for. How, how would I know if overwhelms in my life, not only it is my life a time bomb, but number two, I'm motivated to bail. In other words, I'm ready to walk away. I'm ready to quit. And this is what happens when it sneaks up on us. You know, I, I, I said on the front end, nobody at 18 says, by the time I'm 40, I hope I'm just stressed out. Nobody says, man, by the time I'm 50, I hope I walk away from everything that's good in my life. Nobody says, by 60, I want to be a cynic and look down on everybody else around me. Nobody says, at 70, I'm going to just sort of check out and, uh, and be fearful. Nobody does that. But it happens over time. Listen to what happens for Elijah I wish I could go into all the things that he had done. I mean, when you read verse one, all that he had done a lot of things. And I'd encourage you to read that this afternoon. But it says in verse one, Elijah had done all the things that he'd done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Verse two, so Jezebel, again, she's the evil queen. She's not a fan of Elijah. So Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah that says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, she's saying, I'm gonna kill you. She's saying, I'm gonna do to you what you've done to my prophet. She's saying, I'm going to track you down and make sure you're dead. And listen to verse three, Elijah was afraid, and look at this next phrase, and he ran for his life. Now, why is that so impactful? He's not a pushover. He's not an amateur He's not new at all this stuff. Again, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I'm hoping it's sinking in. He called down fire from heaven. He confronted all of these false worshipers of Baal. He raised a boy from the dead. He predicted things that were gonna happen. He did all of these major things in his life. And then one chapter later, one angry later, lady says to him, I'm gonna track you down. And this amazing man of God runs for his life life. That's the way overwhelm is for us. Overwhelm starts setting up, man, I'm tired, but I've just got to muscle through it. I'm frustrated. I don't feel like I'm getting the support, but I'm still going to do it. 
I'm fearful. What if, what if I don't measure up? And what if, I, what if I'm not needed? And all these things begin to grow and grow and grow. And it becomes like a boulder that we're carrying. We're like, I got it. I got it. I can handle it. I, man, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more stuff. I know I'm already stressed out. And I know I'm already tired. But man, I've got free space on my calendar. I'm going to add more activities. I'm going to sign my kids up for more stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy more stuff that I don't actually need. And it's more than I can actually afford. I'm going to carry all of this. And we're like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Then your arms start shaking. And that boulder starts feeling heavy. And you've got it until you don't got it anymore. And we get to that point where like, man, everything's good. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And then if we're not careful, we're tempted to walk away from the very things that matter. It makes us a time bomb. It motivates us to bail. Here's the third sign. It manifests itself in a total breakdown. It manifests itself in a total breakdown. And so when you read chapter 19, I hope you'll do that today, Elijah falls apart. He was strong in the Lord. He was strong as a prophet. He was strong as a a person that God used in a powerful way. And yet he has this total breakdown. Here's what it looked like for him. The first thing that it looked like for him was a lot of dread. Dread. Dread is when... When, when we lose hope, dread is when we start to believe that the best is behind us. Here's what it says in verse three. It says, then he was afraid. That's what happens when dread sets in. We begin to think the, the best is behind us. There's no hope in front of us. The second thing that happens for him is depression. Depression. He, he begins to pray and he says, it is, uh, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He, he, here's a guy that's pushed his life so hard, and he's done so many amazing things that now he's at this point where he's actually praying that God would take him, that he would die. Again, this amazing man of God, he didn't need another Bible study. He didn't need another attendance thing. He didn't need another hoop to jump through. He's doing all these amazing things, yet dread sets in, depression sets in. And the third one is despair. Despair. He says in verse 10, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. thrown down the altars, they've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, look at this phrase, I am left, they seek my life to take it away. He's wallowing. It's like, I'm the only guy that's still doing the right thing. I'm the only one that's still living for God. And it leads to this total, total, total breakdown. And there's a lot of us that live there. We didn't see it coming until it was too late. Like, I got it, I got it, I got it, until I don't got it anymore. And what's crazy is this is what the world says we should be like. I mean, I was sort of joking earlier today, somebody pointed out recently that when you look at all the national holidays on our calendar, the only way you get a holiday in your name is if you die for it. I'm like, that's crazy. We live in a world that says you need to be busier. We live in a world that says you need to overextend yourself. We we live in this world that says that you find value by how much you do. And here's the problem with that. Beyond what you do, more important than that is who you are. And on the outside, Elijah had it all together. But on the inside, it was ticking down to a blow up. 
And so if you find yourself there today, if you find yourself feeling the way, first of all, I just wanna say you're normal. Sometimes we put extra weight on ourselves that think, man, well, maybe like Pastor Chuck and Julie talked about it in the video, well, maybe I need to pray more. Maybe I need to join another Bible study. Maybe I need to add more. No, 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 no. You're normal if you're feeling the weight. But here's a second thing I would encourage you with is you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. In fact, if you're a note taker, there's a fourth thing I'd love for you to write down. There is a ministry in turning back. There's a ministry in turning back. And so what happens in this chapter is God shows up in a powerful way. There's something about if we feel like we're a time bomb and we're tempted to bail and we feel like there's a full on breakdown coming up. There's something about pausing. There's something about stopping and saying, God, would you do a work in me? Listen to what happens for Elijah. As Elijah's there in chapter 19, there are 21 verses. In chapter 19, there's 21 verses and half of them are God speaking to Elijah. When Elijah's like, God, nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. Take my life and kill me. In this chapter, God shows up in a powerful way. Here's what God does. Here's the first thing. God reclaims him. God reclaims him. I love how this unfolds in verse nine. It says, there, there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love that. God doesn't show up like some CEO. God doesn't show up angry. God doesn't show up put out like, God, I can't believe you, Elijah. There you go again. No, God doesn't heap on judgment on him. He just asks the question, where are you? It reminds me, honestly, of the garden when Adam and Eve had blown it and they're, they're afraid to death because shame has set in and they run from the voice of God. They run from the one they actually ought to turn to and instead of beating them up, God calls out, where are you? Where are you? Who told you that? Who told you that? In other words, God's saying, I see you. And so if you feel the weight of this, if you feel like you're alone, God reclaims us. He says, man, I see you. And here's the second thing that God does. He reorients us. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when we feel overwhelmed, we get what's called tunnel vision, where all we see is the weight in our life. We don't see the goodness around us. And so what begins to happen is we get so preoccupied with all the overwhelming pieces of our life that that feels huge. And so part of what God does for, for Elijah is he removes the blinders. Listen to what he says in verse 11. Listen to what happens. Now, this sounds kind of crazy if you don't know the context, but listen to verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and there was a great and strong wind that tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. So again, Elijah's got tunnel vision, tunnel vision, tunnel vision. God says, no, go outside and I want you to see this amazing sight. Then listen to what happens next. It says, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there's the sound of this low whisper. And then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
What God is doing is God's helping get Elijah out of this tunnel vision. He's getting Elijah out of this negative thinking of the world revolves around me. I'm the guy, I'm the only one that can do this stuff. And God reminds them that I am still in charge, that I am still God, that the world doesn't revolve around you. He shows them how big he is. And that's why I love it when my friends go hiking or they go outdoors and they, they, they hit the trails. There's ways to remind ourselves that there's a God that loves us. And so he reclaims them, he reorients them. And then the third thing that he does is he redirects them. He redirects them. It says in verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to anoint Haziel the king over Aram. Now, this may not seem significant in the moment, but when you think about it, Elijah is ready to die. He's ready to say, I just want to go to heaven. God, I want to get out of here. God, I'm done. I'm the only one that's serving you. And God says, no, I still have an assignment for you. I think that's a word for many of us today. We think if we're not careful, the past is all there is. And God says, no, 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 no. If you're 18, I've still got an assignment for you. If you're 30 and you're settling in, I've got an assignment for you. If you're 40 and you're trying to figure out, I've got in every age or stage, God still has something more for us. And Elijah, while he's thinking the best is behind him, God is sending him back to this place of Aram where there are 7,000 other people that are actually serving God. Elijah thought, man, I'm the only person still living for God and God's about to redirect him to a place where he sees other worshipers. Isn't that cool? that there's other people on mission. And here's the last one, God renews him. God renews him. I did this out of order on purpose because I think this is the simplest thing for us to look over and to ignore. Listen to what it says in verse five. When God is there with Elijah, when Elijah's having this full on time bomb meltdown, walking away, life blowing up, ready to quit, It says in verse five, then he laid down under the tree and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Look at verse six, and he ate and he drank and then he laid down again. Verse seven, then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Sometimes when you're in overwhelm, sometimes when you're in a full on meltdown, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to sleep and eat. Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, I just, you know, I've just got to muscle through it. (laughs) It's just a season and then that season never ends. Hey, it's just, it's just a moment. It's just a time. And, and, and before we know it, the, the boulder's getting heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And we're like, well, maybe I just need to try harder. Maybe I need to sign up for another thing. Maybe I need to act like everything's okay. And sometimes the most spiritual thing we could actually do is to turn off our devices, cancel whatever's on the calendar, and just say, I'm gonna take a good nap today. Anybody with me on a Sunday afternoon nap? Can I get an amen? We're gonna have revival, man, I'm all for it. 
And I've been there. I was talking to somebody recently where, where they're asking me, well, how are you doing? I said, you know, in general, I'm doing fine. But the first two months of this year have been chaotic. They've just felt chaotic. I've been off of my normal routine. We had some time off at the holidays, which I was so grateful for. And then we were online only for a couple of weeks because of the spike of the COVID numbers and, and all this. I just said the COVID because that's what my mom says. <laughs> uh, hopefully she's not watching this hour. Hi, mom. Um, she's one of the biggest fans of Sugar Hill Church Facebook page. But anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, I was just describing. I was like, man, it just feels chaotic. It feels chaotic. It feels chaotic. And then it was like, you know what? The things that helped me get out of the chaos was one, making sure I'm getting at least seven hours of sleep a night. If I go under seven hours for long enough, I am an angry morning person. Anybody else there? And then there's something about eating well, that you see food as more than some stress relief, that it's fuel for your body, that, that, that there's something God's assigned us to do. And so what God does in these verses is he renews him. He renews him. In fact, Pastor Zach and uh, Lee are gonna come out and help us as we think through this. But here's what I want you to consider today. Chances are you don't need more information Chances are you didn't need four points in a message that had the same letters in them because <laughs> I'm nerdy. <laughs> Chances are you don't need another masterclass to take. You don't need a new journal. You don't need another book to read. Could it be that if you realize the symptoms and you realize the path, that maybe the greatest thing that you could do is hit pause and reevaluate. In fact, one practical thing might be today is to look at your calendar for the next 30 days and to say, what are the things I could just cancel and nobody would even pay attention to it? Maybe it's some function at work or something at school or something that you volunteer for. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying we put weight on ourselves that we shouldn't. And there's a lot of, there's probably at least 50% of the things on our calendars that we could get rid of and it wouldn't matter one blip. And then once you got rid of those things, what would happen if then you looked at the other things and you begin to say, well, what are the things that maybe I don't need to cancel, but I need to push out a little bit further? That appointment that, is, that I put on my calendar six months ago that Honestly, I could push a couple of weeks out and it wouldn't change anything. I'd still get it done. It'd just be a different date. And what I'm saying is you can actually, instead of being a victim, realize you've got ridiculous amount of capacity to say yes and no to some things right now. Sometimes it's almost like we're waiting on somebody to give us permission to revisit our commitments. And so if you are that kind of person, I'm giving you permission today. You didn't need it, but I'm giving you permission to say one of the most powerful words in the human language, no. It's a complete sentence. It doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be drawn out. You don't even have to give a reason behind it. But unfortunately, I can't do that right now. Unfortunately, I'm, un un I'm unable to do that thing. Or, hey, I've scheduled this. Hey, would it be okay if we pushed out a couple weeks? There's just a little bit of stuff going on right now. Would that be okay? And I'm telling you, by giving yourself some space, get a good night's rest, eating well, 
Or as Pastor Chuck talked about in the video, maybe some of you have been putting off getting that physical for a long time. You just need to go and, man, we believe that you're one person, your body, soul, and spirit. And so if you're feeling the weight of all of this, man, maybe you just need to say, hey, are, is everything all right in my blood? Am I doing the basic things of eating and resting well? Am I connected to my heavenly father? And what I think you'll find is that thing that feels so heavy begins to lighten. It may not happen overnight. It may not happen in a blip, but man, I'm telling you, there's something about receiving the ministry of God. Are y'all with me? So I wanna invite you for a moment. Would you bow your heads just where you're at? If you're watching online, I wanna invite you to be part of this as well. Unless you're driving, but as we bow our heads today, I wanna to invite you, would you put your hands in front of you, cup them together, almost like you're catching dripping water. And it's just a posture. I mean, there's nothing magical, but there is something about it in our heads, our hearts, with our bodies, putting ourselves in a posture of receiving. And as I pray, I wanna invite you to pray in your head and your heart and pray something like this, dear Jesus, I feel the weight of overwhelm. Jesus, as best as I know how, I, I, I wanna give it to you today. Maybe in your head and your heart, you just wanna, you wanna place that thing in your hands this morning. If you're watching the replay, whatever time it is, to so place it there in front of you, give it a name, describe it. It's a calendar, it's a, it's a commitment, it's a, uh, I feel alone, it's a, first hour I said give it a name and somebody gave it the name Bob I was like thanks a lot whatever that thing is and would you ask God God would you take this from me or God would you walk with me through it would you just sit with that for a moment and allow the spirit of God just to minister to you Father, we come to you today just asking for that posture that you'd help us to fight overwhelm, not through our intellect and through our own ability to get more stuff done. But God, would you help us to come on our knees? Would you help us to come to a place of prayer where we rely on you? That somehow you would reorient us the way that you did in Elijah's life and just remind us that you're in charge, that you're you carry the weight of all this, that it's not my job to do that. Father, when we're tempted to give up and we 
we're tempted to walk away from what you're up to, would you help us to pause? Would you, would you use your word and would you use friends in our lives and, and uh, circumstances to remind us to hit pause? And before we make some dangerous or life-altering decision, would you help us to come to rest in you? And God, we get it. You're not gonna force us to do it. You give us the power of choice to say no to things. You give us the power of choice of making decisions about our schedules. You give us choices about uh, where we put our priorities. And so God has to pray for clarity today and clarity this week that as we make choices that we'd put them in the right priority. And for all of my friends that just feel like they're carrying this heavy burden, God, would you help them to find rest in you? give this to you. And it's in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you again for being part of today. It's been a wonderful day. Our heart really is to serve you and to serve you well and to serve this community that God's placed us in. So thank you just for that spirit. Thank you for that activity. And I I don't know what's up, but y'all are singing extra good today as well. So keep bringing that. I mean, that was so powerful to worship together. But Pastor Chuck and myself are actually gonna make our way out to the front porch. And so if we haven't gotten to meet you yet, we'd love to be able to say hello. And if there's anything that we can join you in praying for, uh, we'd love to be able to do that as well. But we love you guys. We hope you have a great rest of your day and a fantastic week. Have a good one. We'll be lifting you up as you take these steps in the Lord. God bless you.